Arts Minister here. Good to see you guys. Those of you guys joining us online. Um, if you guys came in the building today, then you probably saw some signs on the doors coming in, which is the same everywhere, right? Everywhere you go, it says to enter this place, you have to wear a mask or use hand sanitizer. So what I did was I went online because I was like, I wonder what the craziest, most ridiculous rules and regulations are right now. In Pennsylvania... Sorry about that. I'll just talk loud. Okay. Um, yeah, give it up for Wendy. Thank you. All right. Sorry about that. Um, I would have kept going if it would have kept a rhythm, but it was too loud and annoying. So um, in Pennsylvania, um, you have to wear a mask even when you're at home. Okay, crazy. Um, in Oregon, you could go to jail if you have more than six people in your house. In New Jersey, um, you have to have your AC on or the windows open, and there's no singing allowed. One could argue they shouldn't be singing anyway. I mean, it's New Jersey, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and in Ohio, there's uh, no dancing or standing around, standing around allowed at weddings. Um, right here in Michigan, you can go boating, but you could go to prison or go to jail if you use a motor. Okay? So pretty crazy, ridiculous rules, right? Um, and so those are obviously strange, abnormal rules because of the pandemic. But what about, what about before the pandemic? Way before the pandemic. What are some of the signs, the rules, the protocols, the etiquettes of certain places? Like, for instance, uh, when I go golfing, my wife is always worried that they're not going to let me in because I'm not wearing a collared shirt and khakis. And I just remind her, I play at the cheapest courses possible, so they don't care, right? But hairnets and gloves uh, for certain kitchens. Um, there's no weapons allowed in the airport or on airplanes. No cell phones in the courthouse. How about this sign? You would think that they don't need this sign, but when you go to a restaurant and you go in the bathroom, they've got that sign there that says, what? What does it say? Employees have to wash their hands before <laughs> going back to work. So uh, that's one of those signs you don't think they really need, but there it is. Um, so now that Thanksgiving is over, let's talk about uh, what rules or things, unwritten rules, no signs, but unwritten rules that applied to you uh, before you were able to eat Thanksgiving dinner, okay? Did grandma or mama have some rules? Because that's how it was when I was growing up. It was like, get out of the kitchen until we're all done preparing the food, and we've said the blessing, okay? Um, I remember as a kid, you know, we would sit around the table, and uh, my mom would say, all right, now, everybody has to go. We're going to go around the table, and everybody's going to say something they're thankful for. How many of you guys had that same experience? Okay, yeah. And so, but here's the deal. Every, all the kids are like, come on, we just want to eat, you know? And so, uh, how, about, how about this one, though? Mom, in an effort to get everybody excited about this task, um, would start it off. She's like, I'll, I'll go first. I'll go first. But instead of saying one thing, she said all the things. I'm thankful for this house and the food on the table and the clothes on our back and all the things that God has provided us and for my beautiful family and for all the memories we shared. And you're like sitting there going, Mom, you took everything. I don't have anything to say. But she would still make you think of something, right? You still had to say, everybody had to say something that they were thankful for. <laughs> so um, 
plenty of us can think of unwritten rules uh, growing up. How many of you guys had parents that said something like this? If you want to stay in this house under this roof and then fill in the blank, right? They had rules. And maybe some of you guys thought your teen years were like a prison. Um, and so this, sometimes there's these unwritten rules. Okay, okay. How about this? Did you know that there is unwritten rules, proper etiquette for approaching animals, especially strays? My youngest sister, when she was about eight years old, she approached a dog and she must have done something to make that dog upset. I don't know. But she was eight years old. She didn't know the proper etiquette for a dog, especially a dog she was not you're with? Well, the dog bit her in the mouth, taking, taking out two of her teeth. She had to get plastic surgery. It was not fun. I had another friend who was just walking down the sidewalk as a kid, saw a dog, didn't know it was stray. How would he know? Oh, hey there, buddy. Dog bit off his ear, had to get it sewn back on. Crazy, right? Crazy stories. So here's the question. If there is a proper etiquette protocol for approaching a dog, don't you think that there might be one for approaching the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe? Yes, I think so. He's not the kind of God who's just going to throw you in jail if you don't do or say the right thing, but there's a simple protocol for meeting with a king, especially the king of all. If there was a sign what do you think the sign would say if there was a sign for the presence of God, like to enter here, to have a meeting with the king, you must. What do you think it would be? That's what we're going to talk about today. What are, what are the rules, expectations? What's the protocol for meeting with the king of the universe? Is there one? Wait, I thought we could, I thought we could come as we are, just all willy-nilly. If you guys have not been coming to South Point for a long time, or maybe you're new here, you might have heard us use the phrase, we are the come as you are church. And lots of churches have adopted this phrase and it's a good one. But what we're talking about there is the idea that you don't have to dress a certain way to come to church or to come into the presence of God. In fact, there's really not a whole lot that you have to do physically before you meet with God. But here's what I want to talk about today. Here's what I believe the Bible teaches is that you, you can come as you are. You can come as you are, but if you meet with and connect with God, you're not going to leave it the same. You're just not. Because something has to happen. Something has to happen in order for you to, something has to change in order for you to get a meeting with the God. And that's what I want to talk about today. Three things. Number one, you can prepare your heart to be in the presence of God. That's something we do. Something we must do. Number two, the presence of God actually prepares you to be the light to the world around you. And number three, the presence of God in your life prepares the way for the king himself to show up and do things in your world. So let's dive in. What's the, what's the, how, what the first thing? What can you do to prepare your heart to enter into the presence of God? Well, the first thing here, and it's very simple, is we have to understand that Jesus is the gate. Okay? If the presence of God had a gate, the Bible talks several times about this uh, imagery that there is a gate to get into the presence of God, and Jesus is that gate. John 10, 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Um, they will come in and go out and find pasture. So not just 
not just for salvation, but they will come in and go out and find pasture. They can hang out in the presence of God, right? So, and the audience hearing this verse, they knew what he was talking about because the Mosaic Tabernacle had a gate and it had these courts and it had an inner court and all of that was representing the presence of God, okay? And so they had an understanding of this. If Jesus is the gate, he is the only way to the Father, then wouldn't it make sense that we should be singing about Jesus, thanking Jesus, singing praises to his name at the beginning and all throughout every time that we come to worship God and come into his presence? Wouldn't that make sense? How can it be that I've, I've actually gone to some churches where the name of Jesus is not even mentioned, not one time in the songs, not one time in the message? It's like Jesus doesn't even exist. You wouldn't even know it. How can they do that? And you'd be right. It does make sense. In fact, the Bible is very clear. Like, if you want a meeting with, with God, if you want to come into the presence of God, you got to come through the gate, which is Jesus. That's the first way in. And number two, you can't come in without thanksgiving and praise. So something has to change, and your attitude has to change into thanksgiving and praise in order to get a meeting with God. That's what Psalms 104 says. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name and praise him. There's a lot of songs about the wind, fire, rain, floodgates, all that stuff. And it's, it's, those things are good. Most of those are references to the Holy Spirit. But that's not going to get anybody into the presence of God. The way in is through the gate, and, it, and that's Jesus. For salvation, yes, but also for worship. If you want to worship God, you have to go through Jesus. Just take a note next time you come to worship here. 99.9% of the time, one of the very, first, the very first song out of the gate that we're trying to lead people into is something to get you to thank Jesus for just for who he is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you just praising his name for who he is. That's how we get into his presence. So you can't enter the presence of God without a grateful attitude. Thanksgiving and praise is like a password. It's like keys. Keys are important, right? They get you into access into places of importance. Have you guys ever lost or forgotten your keys? It's not fun, is it? How many of you guys have ever been locked out of your house? How about locked out of your car while it's running? with a kid inside. That's happened before, right? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, oh my goodness, I tried to forget that memory. Um, so, um, of course, with all of those things, there are workarounds, right? Just call AAA, break a window, whatever. Not so with the presence of God. There is no secret passageway. There is no back door. There is no window that you can break in through. And that's what he was trying to describe to the Pharisees in John 10, 1, he was using this, this analogy, and he says this to the Pharisees. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Some of you heard the story in Numbers chapter 13 and 14 about the promised land that God had given to his people. Um, 12 spies were sent into the land to take the land. Let me ask you, didn't he give them the land? Didn't he tell them that it was good? Didn't he tell them that it was theirs? Didn't he tell them that they could go in and take it and overcome any obstacles that they needed to to take the land? 12 spies went in. 10 of them came back not thankful, not grateful, complaining and grumbling. 
oh, man, there's no way. We got to do work in order to get that land. Thanks, but no thanks. Only two of them came back trusting God, putting their faith in him, being thankful. Thank you for giving us this land. Guess what? We're going to go defeat these giants. We're going to take this land. There's a lot of people that don't have a grateful attitude, and it's my job as a worship leader to try to lead them, to show them, to um, help them turn their thoughts, turn their attitude into gratefulness and thankfulness so that they can enjoy the presence of God, come in and go out and find pasture, okay? The truth is, I'll let you guys in on a little secret. Truth is, I don't always have a grateful attitude. Um, and, and when I don't have a grateful attitude, I have to get right with God before I can lead anybody else into his presence. Same goes for you guys. Parents, having a home where your kids can enjoy the presence of God, if you're trying to lead that kind of home, which all of us should be, you gotta, in order to lead them that way, you have to get right with God. It's really hard to lead somebody in the presence of God if you can't go there yourself. Um, how about this story in Luke 17? Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise, go, your faith has made you well. At this point, you might be thinking, okay, we get it. God really loves thanksgiving and praise. And I'm not even going to argue with you. I'm going to say, you're right. That's what it takes to get into the presence of God, thanksgiving and praise. But why... Why are you making it such a big deal? What, what's so important about entering into his presence? Isn't God everywhere? Isn't he omnipresent? Why do I have to do anything anyway? And I thought that's what come as you are meant, just meant I can come, you know, whenever I want and all willy-nilly. Well, um, there's some other questions that have to be asked as well, right? Um, why is it so important to experience the, God, the presence of God corporately with other believers? Can't I just stay home virtually? and go virtual? Um, I want to try to answer those. Before I do, uh, we have to dive in and actually talk about the difference between God's presence everywhere, omnipresent, and the kind of, to- the kind of presence we're talking about that you actually enter in. Okay? Um, Hebrew translation for presence is paneum, which means face, face to face. So that's like, simply put, that's FaceTime with God. Okay, Um, we obviously can't see God's face, but scripture encourages us to seek his face. We're going to talk about that in a minute, what that means. But there's a hope there that one day, like we're seeking God's face, we want to be in his presence all the time. One day when we get to heaven, we're going to actually see him and he's going to see us. But here's the cool part. We will actually be seeing him seeing us. And isn't that important for any conversation, for any relationship you have? Have you guys ever done this before? You're talking to somebody and somebody's in between you and you're like bobbing and weaving going, hey, I can't see you. (laughs) You're trying to have a conversation with somebody. You got to get the person in between you out of the way so that you can see their face. Their facial expressions are important, right? 
First uh, Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. See, God already fully knows you. He fully sees you. But you, you really can't see him seeing you. And that's what, that's what FaceTime is all about. Whenever you're trying to have FaceTime with somebody, you're trying to see them see you. You're trying to communicate even with your facial expressions. Greek translation for presence is parousia, which means arrival, like the second coming of Christ. Sometimes scripture uses the word presence. It's actually talking about like a general nearness, um, like when Jesus would enter into a city or when the scripture talks about the whole earth waiting and groaning in expectation for uh, Christ's return. That's what it's talking about. So the idea is this. You can be in the presence of God because he's everywhere, but FaceTime is different. FaceTime is, is drawing near to him and seeking him, seeking God's face in a different way. So let's break that down. What does that mean? Seek God's face. Well, it means his countenance. Whenever you're trying to seek somebody's face, you're trying to seek their countenance. What does that mean? It means you're trying to understand what they love and if they approve of you and if what they think about you, like you're trying to find out what do you think about what I'm telling you right now? That's what, that's what it's all about is understanding what God loves. Psalms 11:7. for the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face. Psalm 89, 14 through 15, righteousness and justice are a foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. So uh, probably the best example I can think of is um, my parents. I know, I know what they think of me because I've seen their facial expressions and heard their words enough in my life to where I don't need to see them anymore to know what they think about me. I, I have, I can, in my mind's eye, there is captured their tones, facial expressions, their words. How many of you guys have ever heard somebody say, um, you know, uh, like I can hear my coach like from, from high school. He's not with me right now, but I can hear his voice. He's yelling at me, right? Telling me to get up and keep going, keep running or whatever it is that you're involved in at the moment. You can hear your coach's voice. It's the same thing. Um, so when we read scripture and when we experience the presence of God in personal and in corporate times of worship, we should be seeking to, to, to see what God is saying, but, and understand what he's saying, but how he is saying it. What do you, because the whole idea is approval. The whole idea is, is, is approval. I want to know what God thinks of me. That's, that's what his countenance would show me. So in the same way that your parents' facial expressions speak volumes, and everybody here knows what I'm talking about, you just give the look. Like when I give my two daughters the look, they know exactly what I'm thinking. I'm trying to give you guys a look now. You know. Okay, so, so everybody here knows the look, whether you know it from your parents or you give it to your kids, you know the look. And it, and it reveals so much about, <laughs> it goes a little deeper sometimes than even words. Um, but we don't, have, we don't have that ability with God. We don't get to see his actual face. So we have to use all the other methods given to us. 
God is transcendent, omnipresent. God is everywhere, seeing everything. Psalms 139.7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Jeremiah 23, 23-24, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So it's one thing to say that God is everywhere, he's omnipresent, but it's another thing to say God is here. As soon as you say God is here, your perspective can change and you, and you can actually focus on him and you can realize that he wants your attention. Uh, it's the difference between Paneum and Perusia, FaceTime. Um, here's a good example. I can be in my house. Um, I can know that the rest of my family is in the house and they know that I'm in the house. We can even be in the same room. But <laughs> if I'm distracted on my phone or the TV's on, I'm not seeking a FaceTime. It, the whole atmosphere completely changes when we say, right, how many of you guys, you're the, the, the mom or the wife in the house sometimes says, can we just turn off the TV for a while? Can we put our phones down for a little minute? Okay, can we talk? Can we just be in each other's presence for a little bit? Right? The whole atmosphere changes when you actually start looking at each other, FaceTime, and start saying, how are you? What's going on? You know? How many of you guys have ever done this too? You, you are literally trying to get somebody's attention in your house, and they do not understand that you're trying to get their attention until you are practically shouting their name, and you're in the same room. It's crazy. Um, God wants us to seek him all the time like that. Why? Because he's seeking us all the time. He's actually, he's on dial. He's, he's trying to FaceTime you all the time. And you're like, you're busy. You're FaceTime. Oh, from God. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of busy right now. He wants to meet with you all the time. He wants that FaceTime. He's everywhere, but he is here. And he wants us to embrace that truth more often. And here's the thing. He doesn't like to shout to get your attention. The Bible says that his voice is a still, small voice. And here's, here's the thing is I don't want us to think of, you shouldn't think of God as a far off somewhere in the distance. And, and therefore, it's a still, small voice because by the time I can hear it, he's so far away, it's a still, small voice. Don't think of him as a God far off. Think of him as a God who is so close, he's so near that all he has to do is whisper. And if I put down the things that distract me long enough and if I silence myself long enough, maybe I could hear him. And if you do ever experience that, that is, that is him drawing you close to him. He's wanting you to sit at his feet a little while. He's drawing you close to him. So it's like that, I love that part in, this, in the old worship psalm that says, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Just, he wants you to be more aware. He wants FaceTime with you. And I'm always baffled when people say, I don't feel close to God. You know, it's like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't even know, feel like I really know God. Like, he's, he just feels far away from me. Like, they're, they're describing these things. But then they, then they will also say things like, I know I don't spend enough time reading his word. I know I, I really haven't prayed to him lately. I know I need to spend more time, you know. It's like, you can't figure that out? Like, that's, those things are connected there. <laughs> There's a protocol. 
James 4, 8 says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So how do you draw near to God? There's a protocol, and it starts with thanksgiving and praise. Guarantee, if you start just thanking God, thank you, God, man, and you start thinking about all the things that you're thankful for and just start praising him for who he is, you're, you're about to have a meeting. <laughs> you're about to have a meeting. You're about to be in the presence of God. He loves that. God is imminent. He's present. He lives and dwells in us. Emmanuel, right? God with us. God has always wanted to be near us. When you read the Bible from the beginning and all throughout, he has always done everything that he possibly can do to be near his people. He's done everything. Done everything. He's made covenants with us. And obviously we're living in the final covenant where he sent Jesus himself to die on the cross for us. That's how much he wants to be near us. That's how much he wants FaceTime with us. I love this quote by A.W. Tozer that says, It will be a new day for us when we put away false notions and foolish fears and allow the Holy Spirit to fellowship with us as intimately as he wants to do. To talk to us as Christ talked to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. After that, there can be no more loneliness, only the glory of the never-failing presence. I would suggest that that day is today. It's now. And that's what I think Jesus was actually saying to the woman at the well in John 4, 23 through 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So if there was a sign that said in order to be in the presence of God, in order to worship him, this would be on the list. True worshipers must, that's a must, must worship in spirit and in truth. Did you guys know that? Did you guys know that there's different kinds of worshipers and that there's only one that God seeks? That brings us to our last story of two different kinds of worshipers, two sisters. One of them understood what God wanted. The other, not so much. The one who understood what God wanted, she, she knew that God wanted FaceTime. He wants all of me. So she sat at his feet and listened and spent time. And I, I just imagine that while she was sitting at his feet and listening, that she was staring intently in his eyes and his facial expressions. That would be so great to have that ability today. Uh, Luke 10, 48 through 42, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen the better, what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Martha relied on herself. She had a worker mentality. Her identity was in her work. She did not prepare herself to meet, be in the presence of Jesus. She was distracted by all the other preparations. 
She showed her opinionated disapproval of Jesus. I mean, what did she do when she was overwhelmed and she realized she couldn't get all the work done that needed to get done by herself? What did she do? Judgment. Jesus, don't you care? Tell my sister to get over here and help me. Come on. I got a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of preparations that need to be made. Can I give you guys a tip? When you're in the presence of God, it might be best to leave the judgments up to him. <laughs> the psalmist, King David, did this many times. He cast judgments and he had a bad attitude sometimes. But here's what I want to point out. All of the psalms, when you read the psalms, when he starts out the psalm saying, God, why have you forsaken me? Are you just going to leave me here to die at the hands of my enemy? What's going on? Like, I thought you loved me. Like, just throwing a temper tantrum and being frustrated. Every single time, look how it ended. He changed his attitude. All the endings of the Psalms would be like, but God, I know the truth. I know everything I just said was not true about you. You're my protector. You're my God. You will always protect. You love me. I know you do. Like, I'm going to worship you no matter what in the middle of the storm. It doesn't, doesn't matter. That's how King David's attitude, you can see it changing right in the middle of several different Psalms. And the truth is right there. You can come as you are, but if you do meet with God, you won't leave the same. Mary, she stayed near Jesus, sat at his feet listening. She showed extravagant affection for Jesus on a separate occasion in John 12, 3. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it out on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. We were just singing a song, and I, I didn't even know that we had this song today. But it said, our affection, our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. That's referencing this story in the Bible right here. So she worked. She obviously worked to afford that expensive perfume, but for different reasons and different motivations. She didn't care that, how much it cost to show her thanks her thanksgiving and her praise to Jesus. She poured it out all on his feet. She didn't care about the, the opinions of man. She had no fear of man. She didn't care about what her sister thought. Jesus moves the heart of God in another occasion, John eleven thirty two through 33. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Do you want to just be in the presence of God for yourself? Or do you, do you want him to actually step into your world and do something? Mary moved the heart of God into action. He, he raised her brother from the dead. Thanksgiving and praise gets you in the door. It's the key. But the more time you spend in the presence of God, the more time you're going to understand what he loves, what he approves of, what he dislikes. And the more confident that you are that you yourself are pleasing him, the more confidence you're going to have in asking him to step into your world and do things. And it won't be for selfish reasons because you're going to understand his countenance. You're going to understand 
And so the things you ask for in your prayer time are going to line up with what he already wants to do. The big idea, look, you can take the presence of God to the world around you and it starts with thanksgiving. I want to invite you guys, if, if you've never had FaceTime with God, you've never, you've never had that before, you, you're just here checking things out, you're seeking, you're seeking his countenance, seeking his face, but you're not a Christian, then today is the day of salvation. I want to put up this verse on the screen again. It says, but few things are needed or indeed only one. I want, to, I want you to hear Jesus actually saying that to you today. Don't, don't be distracted by anything else today. Just understand that there's, there's one thing that he's after. All of you, every part. He wants all of you. And so if you've never had that FaceTime with God today, I want to invite you. We've got a place right here. The Bible says you can get baptized to, you know, declare your praise for God and to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And then you get baptized. The Bible says you get baptized. And, uh, and that's, that's just something we do to be obedient to what, what Jesus said. And it's a really cool experience. No other, no other uh, there's no other thing like it. And you get baptized, and we got towels in the back. We've got clothes for you if you didn't bring it. Today is the day. Don't miss out. Um, I want to speak to, and, and by the way, if that's you, if you or if, if you just have questions, want to talk to somebody, right after service we'll have some people that you can talk to. If you are a Christian, then I want to speak to you guys for a second. 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's all of us. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. And this next verse, let's all read this together. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you guys know what an ambassador is? When an ambassador, ambassador is from another country, comes in, let's just say, to our country, everywhere that they walk, everywhere that they go, that's not the United States. That's the country that they came from, if they're an ambassador. They have what's called diplomatic immunity. Okay, so everywhere they go, that's not where they are. That's where they came from. So understand this. You are Christ's ambassadors. Everywhere you walk is the kingdom of God. You could be in Walmart, <laughs> and, you could, and you could be taking the presence of God right there in Walmart. God wants to meet with not just you, every single person. So if you're a Christ ambassador, then take his presence everywhere you go. And don't forget, it starts with Thanksgiving. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Those of you guys watching online, we'll see you guys next week. God bless.